Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text is the epistle lesson read earlier from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. Listen again to verse 5. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. In the name of Christ Jesus, dear Christian friends, there are certain elements in a Christian's life that are so basic, so familiar, so understood that they run the risk of being taken for granted. It's nothing malicious or intentional. It's just that we often don't give familiar things much thought. Sometimes the Christian's prayer life falls into this category. For instance, when you came to this seminary, you were tested on your knowledge, understanding, and ability to apply the biblical languages, the Old and New Testaments of Scripture, and Lutheran doctrine. Of all the questions that you are asked in preparing for admission to this seminary, perhaps the most important question is, do you know how to pray? Those of you who are preparing for a transition into the pastoral or deaconess ministry of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod are probably anxious to share what you've learned during your years here at the seminary. You're perhaps eager to share a new program or introduce a new program that you learned about in pastoral leadership or teach a Bible class modeling your favorite professor. But you know, it might be a better idea to make sure that your people and especially your congregational leaders know how to pray. Then too, today we are recognizing the upcoming retirement of several members of our esteemed faculty. You'll have to forgive me, but I grew up in an automobile family in Detroit, and we tend to think a little bit too much about our cars. So when I hear the word retire, knowing that the word quit doesn't exist in the Christian's dictionary, Retire for me simply means to throw a new set of tires on the car and move down the road to a new adventure under God's blessing. So as you folks move forward in this new adventure, in service to God and his church, know that your prayer life is going to be just as important, just as powerful in your future as it has been in your past. Martin Luther made the comment that to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. At the same time, it needs to be said that there's a very big difference between saying or reading prayers and actively praying. The first can be done with almost little thought, but actively praying is an entirely different matter. That's why it's so important for us to occasionally pause and reflect 
on this topic of prayer and make sure that it's an important part of our life. Our text for today gives us an opportunity. With the academic quarter and the school year rapidly coming to a conclusion, with many of us preparing to make a major transition in our lives, and with all of us living in this time of tremendous challenge and turmoil, I'd have to say that this is pretty timely. St. Paul was a man who didn't simply say prayers. He was a deep and devout man of prayer. This comes through in reading the book of Acts and also in reading his letters recorded in New Testament scriptures. Paul valued prayer. He understood the importance and the power of prayer. And so in Paul, we have a good instructor. He writes, First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Paul here encourages us to pray using four words all used to describe the same thing. Now, at first glance, we might think that this is just repetition for the sake of making his point. But if we look a little closer, we'll see that each word provides us with a little more information as to the various forms that our prayers can take. Supplications. Here Paul reminds us that we can and should be specific as we talk to God about the concrete situations in our daily lives. For example, we pray for a godly and God-pleasing resolution to the economic challenges confronting our church and our seminary. And we specifically pray for God's blessing upon President Meyer and the members of our faculty and staff who will be meeting with the Board of Regents this week. Prayers. We ask for God's help for the ongoing needs that are always present in our lives. Here I think of our personal and corporate prayers for our nation, our church and schools, our homes and families, and those who serve in protecting our lives and possessions. Intercession. We speak to God on behalf of someone else or someone else's needs. Throughout the academic year, here at Concordia, here in this place, in this chapel, we have the privilege almost each and every day to hold up in prayer faculty, staff, students, spouse, parent, or child, asking for God's deliverance from trouble or sickness, asking that God would grant peace, comfort, and hope. In recent days, we've been lifting up in prayer one of our retirees, Dr. Quentin Wesselschmidt, asking that God would grant him renewed health and strength. Supplication, prayer, intercession are especially comforting to each and every one of us for two reasons. First, you and I know that God hears and acts on the prayers of his people. 
Secondly, we are assured that we are part of a caring Christian community that's willing, desiring to converse with God on behalf of one another. That sense of belonging, belonging to God and with one another, is what our Lord intended for his family of believers. Thanksgiving. Yesterday we gave thanks to God for the years of faithful service of those serving on our seminary staff who will be retiring at the end of this month. Today, we thank God for those serving on our faculty who have announced their retirement. We not only thank God for these faithful servants, we also thank God for spouse and children who have also been important to these ministries. These men and women have been and will continue to be gifts of God to this seminary and to his church. Through their lives, through their ministries, God has had an impact, an eternal impact, on the lives of people all over the world. And this powerful impact will continue to grow as the grace of God is passed on to still more people. It is extremely important that we recognize this and thank our Lord for you. The fourth century church father, Ambrose, put it quite well. No duty is more urgent for Christians than that of returning thanks. St. Paul would agree. Paul continues by encouraging us to pray for all people. The point Paul makes is simply that our prayer life is to extend beyond ourselves, that is, beyond our seminary or congregation, beyond our borders, beyond our hemisphere, beyond our particular race or nationality. Our prayer is that God will bless everyone, everyone, through his word. Paul tells us that we are to pray for those in authority, rulers, governments, presidents, and the like. Why? A couple of reasons. First of all, so that we might live quiet and peaceful lives. That is, live our lives in such a way that we reflect the truth that Jesus, Kyrios, Jesus, is Lord. But an even more important reason for temple authorities to be kept in our prayers is this. Freedom from disturbances such as war and persecution facilitates the spread of the gospel to the glory of God and the salvation of souls. Paul reveals the very heart of God when he says, God desires all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. He then goes on to remind us that this truth revolves around Jesus Christ, the mediator between God and man. With this simple phrase, Paul compresses the entire message of sin and grace, law and gospel. As the true Son of God and Son of Man, Jesus is our mediator. He's our link, the connection between a holy God and an unholy people. He became our mediator by becoming one of us in our world, in our time, 
and doing what we were supposed to do, but couldn't. For 33 years, he lived an absolutely perfect and sinless life. And then on a Friday some 2,000 years ago, he assumed the punishment for our disobedience and died in our place on the cross. This rescue mission was shown to be complete and satisfactory by the fact that on Easter Sunday, the tomb was empty. Jesus rose from the dead. We don't have a dead Savior. We have a living Lord. And here's the best news yet. Everything Jesus did, everything Jesus accomplished, is applied to all who embrace him in faith. In other words, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection mediated peace between us and God. We, we who are so dearly loved by God, now look forward to eternal life rather than eternal death. This is the message that reveals the heart of God. This is the message that needs to be spread throughout all the world. This is why we pray for peace and wise rulers, so that this gospel message may wing its way throughout the entire earth. So what Paul is telling us here is, even our prayer life is to be in service of the Great Commission. Now, while Paul is a good instructor on prayer, let's keep in mind that behind him is God himself. God is the ultimate instructor on prayer. Man, in my life, God has really taught me important lessons on prayer. And for those of you going out in the ministry, I am so excited for you because God is going to teach you incredible lessons about the power and importance of prayer. Remember, it's God who says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. It's his son who modeled a devout prayer life and actually gave us the model prayer. And then as we sang in the hymn just moments ago, it's the Spirit, the Spirit of God who helps us in our weakness. St. Paul writes, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. As we move forward in our lives, in our mission, may we be people who don't just merely say prayers, but people of prayer. In all its various forms, praying for everyone, and especially for a climate in which the gospel may reign in our hearts and in the lives of others. God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. And the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding keep our hearts and minds in true faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.